Hello, Cindy. All right, ready? Don't hang up the phone, you bitch. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm Alon. And this is David, and welcome to I Finally Watched, where today I finally watched Scream. So, David, before we get started, what's your favorite scary movie? No, yeah, I think, uh, I think just off the top of my head, it'd probably be it follows. I don't know. You and I have talked about how like this genre isn't something that I watch all that often. Right. Yeah. And for me, I think two of the hardest genres to kind of mix together is horror and comedy. Um, either too much of one or the other kind of overtaking it and not like a really synergizing blend, I guess. Um, It's very rare. So, you know, it's no secret. I'm not a fan of this kind of um, film. I'm not a fan of horror films, but I do like it when they're mixed with comedy and mixed with comedy well. Uh, One of my favorite horror films would be kind of like Shaun of the Dead which I know you've never seen. Um, but that's just like, when I saw it as a kid, I was scared, but it was hilarious. And I think Scream really kind of does it for me because it's one I can tolerate because of how funny it is. And it's almost parodying itself, which is kind of funny because Scary Movie came out after this really parodying scream but uh those movies are kind of so close in tone that uh you one could say scream is parodying parodying scream right it was and when i first started watching this the other night you know the initial thoughts that were hitting me were one i've already seen scary movie forever ago so i kind of basically know what this movie is i don't really even need to watch it but then two scary movie is a parody of scream but scream is a parody in and of itself so like scary movie is almost i love scary movie it's almost unnecessary in the fact that scream is a parody in and of itself of horror movies right and especially since like one of the biggest uh directors of horror film genre directs scream which is wes craven you know he did like the the uh, freddy krueger films isn't it wes carpenter uh i hope that's a joke it's from it's from the movie scream alone um is it where the uh her friend uh tatum says oh let's get she says something about like oh it's that new west carpenter flick oh which i thought was like just a funny nod to like one like west craven putting him on the same level putting himself on the same level as john carpenter Carpenter, those are like obviously two very well-known like horror directors combining their names no but see that's the thing too with like scary movie and and scream is that there's all these references that you know, some I'm like, oh, I get it. And then some just go over my head um, because I'm not a huge fan of this genre. Although that is one I admittedly should have should have caught. Another one of my favorite, um, I guess, Easter eggs or, or references is when the principal of the school in Scream dies 
he's checking around the corners of the hall and he sees this janitor named Freddy who's dressed exactly like Freddy Krueger. Right. That was the most, that was like the most into parody that this movie kind of like went into. Um, and the principal is also the Fonz. So you can refer to him as such. Or Henry, Henry Winkler. Correct. Um, but yeah, like that was just at its height, like it parodying the genre. You know what I mean? Like that would have made more sense in Scary Movie right. than this. Like it could have been the exact same thing. Um, ex- exactly. And it's funny because I just, you know, I actually, as a kid, was not, I was too scared to see Scream. And I was not allowed to watch Scary Movie. But somehow I ended up being able to watch Scary Movie before Scream. And I could never enjoy Scream the same way. What I remember is I didn't even probably ask to watch Scream, but I saw Scary Movie in the very room I'm in right now (laughs) with my brothers. And we're watching it. And I just remember them being like some very vulgar like stuff in that movie. There's a lot of just like random dicks like throughout, especially the beginning. And I just remember my brothers and I watching it and just a really bad scene. And then my dad walks in and is like, oh my God. And he sits down and then it's fine. And then he falls asleep. And then there's just a scene with a dick like a minute after he falls asleep. It was just like, the perfect luck of like not having to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, um, uh, Taylor does not handle scary movies well. So she refused to watch scream with me, but I did get her to watch scary movie with me last night. And there were times, and I haven't seen this movie in a while, but there were times where both of us were just laughing our asses off. Um, and I, it, the 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 opening scene with Carmen Electra, I think, is one of the funniest and like most well done parody wise of the uh, of the movie because it's done almost shot for shot. Um, but here I w- I kind of want to get back to talking about Scream because that's the movie we're actually reviewing. Um, that the first ten minutes with Drew Barrymore on the phone uh, in the phone call is probably the scariest slash most serious part of the movie. I would even say it's probably the most well-known and also sets the precedence for like a lot of the phone call is coming from in the house sort of trope. Right. I mean, and you have like, I know you, I know what you did last summer and all those sequels around the same time as this and sort of playing off that as well. But just when that scene came on, like the, just the thought to my head was like, just how iconic it was. You know what I mean? Like not even having seen the movie, I knew kind of all about this scene. Um, and even though you know what happens, it's still like anxiety filling. You know what I mean? Like you're getting yeah. anxious this entire time of like how this is going to happen. And it's also too like very effective in that, you know, you keep almost thinking she's going to get away. Yep. Um, and then it's really kind of like effed up. Like she's <laughs> trying to scream for her parents as they're right there. 
and her her like her neck is slashed right um so yeah no that's that seems great and you know even though i've seen this and it's you know it's been a while i keep thinking okay this is when she dies oh no this is when she dies and it keeps prolonging it for the for the big reveal um at the uh when her when her mom comes outside and she's like tied up because of the swing set which I have to say, the swing set is introduced in such a way that you know it's coming back. You don't know when it's going to come back, but you know it's coming back into play here. And, but it also sets a tone for the movie. Uh, yeah, it's one of the more serious tones of the film, but I think it does have its funny moments, especially when she like, is being dragged by the killer. And she's still holding on to the phone and her parents are on the other line. Like, Oh, I can still hear her. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of like far reaching, but um, it's, it's funny. It has like comedy elements to it. Well, it's, what's interesting too. And you just kind of said this, that the worst part of the movie, the most gruesome part of the movie is the opening. And that's similar to what we said with, the witch like the worst part was kind of in the beginning like the first thing to happen with the baby was kind of the most messed up and then in another movie that we're going to talk about it follows too like and that seems to be you know it's not a genre we're as familiar with but it kind of makes sense that to set the tone of what the movie's going to be having the worst part in the beginning and then being able to play off of the anxiety of the audience of like it's going to get worse from here and it, but it doesn't necessarily have to, you know what I mean? You've set the tone now and you can kind of play with it. And scream is very about playing with that, playing with the audience using like the tone and the mm-hmm. possibility of what could happen next. What I, what I think um, is a really big kind of keeps the audiences in suspense that scream does so well is how many red herrings it kind of throws at you throughout the movie. Um, And even till now, like, you know, apart from Scary Movie, I know like Family Guy parodies Scream or, you know, a lot of different media and even like more serious horror films take from the tropes that Scream kind of uh, gave us. And because of how many times like okay you know even if you've never seen the movie you know that the killer is more than just one person right and that's a trope i've seen in so many movies nowadays like yeah it's the same mask or it's the same costume but you know the whole neighborhood is on it you know kind of like in hot fuzz or like oh the the you know it was the whole school or that whole group of friends, etc. But because you have this already in your head, like how is, how is this movie going to turn out? It still keeps you on your toes. Like, okay, I know the gr- some part of this group of friends is in on it, but I don't quite remember who, and I don't quite remember why. Well, and what's great about it, so like going into this, I was telling my wife, I was like, I'm pretty sure I remember exactly how this ends. I was like, I know, you know, spoiler alert, it's 1996, 
But I was like, I'm pretty sure Skeet Ulrich is the bad guy. I was like, I also think it could be Matthew Lillard. I was like, I'm actually pretty sure it's both. <laughs> and then as the movie goes on, and I'm like, oh, well, they've introduced Skeet Ulrich as the bad guy in the beginning. And I was like, my Law and Order brain is like, all right, well, he's clearly not it. This is way too early. Right. And then um, we get later on. I was like, you know what? It could be it. He's super creepy. And then he gets killed. And you're like, oh, oh shit, like, I guess I don't remember at all how this ends. And then it ends, and I was like, oh wait, this is exactly what I remembered happening, like, when I had the ending ruined for me. Right. But it does a great job of knowing the expectations of how the horror movie, like, should work, and sort of tricking you. You know, I never bought the red herring of the father being the murderer. I never, like, for no. a second but Me yeah but it does make it to where even though those two are the most obvious you still don't know you're like which you think which one is it and the fact that it's both you know is, you know is i great. think one of the things on how scary movie parodies this movie almost shot for shot if you've seen both or one or the other and you know you've kind of got them mixed up a few times you might even think the brother cop is the guy behind it in the end. Cause that's how scary movie ends. Well, and spoiler alert. <laughs> it's like a, how old is that movie? It's like a 20 year movie. All right. But the, the point is, is that um, because it throws like so many characters at you, you know, the father being one, but also the news reporter played by Courtney Cox, you know, you, you might think, okay, is she behind it for like her next book? You know, cause that's how she gets all her money. Um, or maybe, you know, she is in, you know, she's working alongside her camera guy um, or, you know, cause at the end, when you want a motivation, when you want a reason, there's not a good one really given. Right. And the last scary movie comparison I will make is that the Dewey played by David Arquette is like only just a little bit less of a screw up than his version in scary movie. It's like not that far off. It's just like the VCR that he like has sex with or the the vacuum Vacuum. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think VCR is from Family Guy. But like... Yeah, he's, like, not that much different. And so it's, like, s- such a parody. But, yeah, like, they they do a great job of kind of shifting the blame here and there of, like, what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the main actress um, that's kind of our, I guess you would want to say, like, our horror movie trope, the last girl, you know, um, the 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 way they treat virginity and sex in this in scream is kind of funny because you have on the tv you know they're at what, what's so funny to me is that there's nothing that screams more of a 90s party than you're having all these teenagers over it's a big party and you're gonna watch you're gonna sit down and watch halloween that is one one thing i noticed too is just one all the tvs in each of these houses being the square old box tvs yeah and then two like the cell phone technology and the like the internet technology of the day being like all right we can get the records but we won't have them till morning or like 
oh, maybe he could have cloned the cell phone. And I was like, is that even a thing? Well, I, I honestly, for the life of me, don't remember if it was in Scream or Scary Movie, but one of the cops was questioning, questioning Bobby, the character. With, that's easy because both of them are named Bobby. It's Billy. Um, is it Billy? In Scream, it's Billy. In Scream? Okay. In, in Scary Movie, it's Bobby. Perhaps uh, it was not a great idea for you to watch Scary Movie before we did this. No, no, no. But maybe you can answer this for me. In one of the interviews, the cop was like... Um, why do you have a cell phone? And, and his answer was like, everyone has a cell phone. In 96, maybe everyone had a cell phone, but it's also just like, <laughs> nowadays that would, wouldn't even be a question. It'd be like, where is your cell phone? Why don't you have a cell phone on Right, you? right, yeah. And, and the fact that it just like willy-nilly fell out of his pocket. And, you know, I do have to say, as much fun as we're making from Scream, it does have these like really excellent moments of realization. One, when the cell phone falls out of the pocket is kind of like a lesser one, but it does lead to something great. Um, what it leads to is when the boyfriend, Billy, is thrown in jail and she, uh, she gets, uh, what's, what's the main girl's name? Sydney. Right, okay. Sydney gets a phone call when she goes to her friend's house and it's the killer. And she later on, she questions her boyfriend and asks him who did he call when he was in jail? What was his like one phone call? And he wouldn't, he, you know, he didn't answer. And it led her to believe that I was like, Oh shit. He called her from jail as Ghostface to like really throw them off. And then a second as like she's putting it together and as the audience puts it together, Ghostface comes out and stabs him. Right, but not only that, she also was like, he was like, oh, I called my dad. And she's like, no, you didn't because the sheriff called your dad. He said he did. And then she's like, you know, it would have been really great to throw me off though. Not, she's like, I believe you, but it would have been great to throw me off if you had, uh, if you had called me from jail. Yeah, And then, like, the obvious answer later on becomes, well, no, there's just two of them, and that's how they threw them off, which yeah. is also just, like, really great. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it, it does, you know, for a first-time viewer or even a second or third-time viewer, it does, <laughs> unless you have this movie very much memorized, it does throw you off just as much as it throws off the characters. Um, I did want to know, like, did they have, they didn't have burner phones in 96, right? Because in 2020, you would just be buying prepaid cell phones to make these calls. Well, I think the genius part of the plan was to use the father's cell phone. Right. Well, they also play that f fairly well too, where they're like, we can't get a hold of the father. But in 96, like that's not, you know what I mean? Like we act like, <laughs> we act like it's the forties, but in 96, like, you know, people that weren't just attached to their cell phones, not, not everyone had one and people weren't, accessible 24 hours a day so like it, it it wasn't that out of the ordinary it's now something that you see and you're like you know take note of the red herring with the dad i didn't get what they were trying to do like i didn't under not that i didn't understand but i i wasn't picking up that that's what they were trying to do with the father character until his car ended up in like the bushes near the house and then i was like oh okay that's that's what they're going to do, but I, I still wasn't really 
falling for it anyways. Right. No, yeah, I don't think it's it's believable. But they do it's not believable now. Maybe back then it would have been something that would have gotten people. They do a great job of kind of setting up the history of Sydney and her father and the mother to give you a little idea of maybe why you could see that the father had done this. You know, there's her mother was killed almost a year ago. There are rumors around from different people that she was sleeping around and not happy with her father. And so that does lead to the, well, you know, maybe she was sleeping around with other people. Maybe the father got mad about that. And now maybe he's killing other people too. Um, But in the end, it's like not, it's not something you buy. I think it's just because of the people that, that, Ghostface was killing off didn't match the motive. It would have made more sense if he went around and killed like all the male adults in the town that was sleeping with his wife. But the fact that he was after all these kids didn't quite connect it with me. Um, well, the Drew Barrymore one too, even in the end, you know, you need that Drew Barrymore death. One, you have this famous actress who's dying in the beginning, so she's getting this cameo. But two, you know, it's setting up the movie like we've talked about with these horror movies but there's not a great explanation for why drew barrymore had to die this is this is crazy this is insane right scary movie actually gave a better motive and explanation on why every single character died than scream did and in the beginning when carmen electra was the person who died and it all went down to Dewey, the, you know, brother. Um, it was because he had a crush on her and she used to babysit him. And then all the other deaths happened because he knew their secret. He knew what they did last Halloween about, you know, them killing the guy on the bridge. And even though it's a parody, and even though it's like super dumb and everything else doesn't make sense, I have to hand it to them that, that part actually connected every death better than Scream did. <laughs> well, you know, the Waynes brothers knew what they were doing. Oh, and how stupid do you, like, think it is? Like, they don't kill her, they don't stab her, but they proceed to stab each other before finishing off her and her dad. Well, I think you're jumping a little ahead, but yeah, let's talk, we can talk about the ending, but then I do want to go back I have a lot of questions about this movie that as the one who made me watch it, you're going to answer. Okay, okay. But I do think this movie all leads to the ending. And my first thought when we get to that party at Stu's is like, one, damn, that house is nice. Mm -hmm. Like, and also very well set up for like a scary movie final showdown with like a bunch of different rooms and hallways and things you can hide in and an attic and the ability to climb out the window. Um, So all that was great. But when they do have her in the end, it's like a Bond movie of like, just kill her. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 100%, yeah. Um, Just shoot her with, you know, get the dad and get the gun out and shoot her in the head. And then you can start stabbing each other. Um, I I do love like Matthew Lillard's acting in the, you really stabbed me a little too deep, man. <laughs> I really think I'm dying here. I'm feeling a little woozy, man. Um, that's actually like, obviously it's my favorite part just because having Nev Campbell sort of get back at them with the, uh, 
with calling them and, you know, telling them I've called the cops and like, you know, this is like, as soon as she calls the cops, this whole thing's over, which you don't know if she actually did, but you assume she did. Because like, she's explained everything to them. So now all your stupid inconsistencies like aren't gonna, are gonna matter. You know, if, if you're able to tell the cops a story and like you're bleeding and you have these stab wounds and say, Hey, the father killed her. We tried to stop him. We got stabbed. Da, 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 You're fine. But if, if you try and cover this up after she's already called the cops and put it in their head, like that you've done this, the fact that you have fake blood all over your shirt is a big fucking red herring that you're like, you can't come back from that. Yeah. That was like a major question I had is like, how are you going to explain this? And the only way you'd be able to get away with it is, is if they're not looking for it. But once she calls, it's like, it's over. But then again, you don't know if she called. And if she did call, it might have been over the computer, which I don't know how they did that in 1996. But uh, somehow 911 has a website that you can type in your emergency and then send it to them via email. But that's fine. That's not really the point. The point is, is that, you know, if she did call, did she relay the information? Or, you know, does it look like maybe they called from inside the house? Um, Another thing I really liked is how Courtney Cox kind of came in is about to save the day and then she's just like completely knocked unconscious well your introduction to her like your your first meeting of her is she's a horrible person you know what i mean yeah. she's concerned about her ratings she's telling the story of this woman whose mom was murdered and then as it goes along you like start to understand like oh her motivations are actually pretty noble and yeah, she's selling a book, but she believes this guy is innocent. She's trying to get him off death row. She's trying to save his life, which, by the way, maybe just take five seconds to say like, oh, hey, we got to get this guy off death row. Like never, never brought up towards the end of the movie that like, okay, we got to <laughs> save this dude who's going to get lethal injection. Right. But I digress. But her character, like the development of her, I think is pretty great because you you are introduced to someone and it's really hard to get over a first impression of this woman being horrible. But when you find out her actual motivations, like you, you do, you realize like, Oh, this is actually a good person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, you know, just like in every horror film, not every horror film, but if they're not the killer, you know, they're not the worst person in the movie. They're not the villain of this movie, you know? Um, the, you know, there's a few places where the film really, really kind of parodies itself. Um, the Freddy janitor definitely being one of them. Also at the end where I, I forget who says it, but someone's like, and this is the moment where the killer makes their last, you know, scare. And then it's him jumping up and her like shooting him directly in the head. Well, it's yeah. And she's like, not in my movie, which is also like a cool callback to when she's like, you know, this is real life. She's talking to Billy before, you know, before all the ending and she finds out who he is. And she's like, you know, this is real life. This isn't a movie. And he's like, no, it is a movie. And you get to decide what kind of movie it is. And then, you know, it can be a horror or romantic or whatever. And then she's like, well, how about a porno? And then, you know, she loses her, virginity protection that's established in the movie mm-hmm. but i do love at the end when you know she's like oh this is when the killer jumps up and she's like not my movie yeah no i mean th- like i said there are some like really brilliant um 
lines and, and moments in this film that are like, all right, this is, this is pretty rock solid. But um, back to what I was saying about like a good mixture of comedy and horror, Scream, I think, does it really well, where it is a bit more horror. Maybe it takes itself too seriously sometimes, but this is definitely like a scary movie that people who hate scary movies can definitely tolerate and appreciate to a to a level i feel like right and i think what brings like one character i want to mention who kind of brings the movie to another level not necessarily comedy or horror but sort of like the meta commentary of the movie is jamie kennedy in it the uh the guy that's their friend that explains you know he's sort of the fifth wheel of the group but he's the one that explains yeah, yeah. horror movies he works at the blockbuster yeah that's right um and, you know, is going over the rules at the end scene, which that's like the part I was waiting for. Cause I remembered that from the commercials of like the rules for horror movies. Yeah. It's really funny that that's like in the last 20 minutes of the movie, like at the very end. Um, but his, his part of explaining how horror movies works and like, you know, them, you know, he's the one that has them like diving right into the tropes, but then at the same time, it's like, I guess trying to subvert them. And so, I think they walk a, a fine line of of not wanting to to be in those tropes too much, but at the same time, like wanting to acknowledge them and make fun of them and use them. You know what I mean? I mean, this movie works. I mean, it works on you. You can't walk into a Halloween store nowadays and not find like a you know a hundred scream um, masks. You know the ghost face masks. I mean, I I feel like I mean correct. Correct me if, if you think otherwise, but I feel like Ghostface from Scream is as iconic as Mike Myers from Halloween or Freddy Krueger or, you know, any of those. It's kind of established themselves as this, like, knife-wielding horror, you know, guy that's not supernatural, but almost scarier because it's not, like, one entity or one person. It, it could be anyone under the mask. Right, too. And the, the two guys do a great job of, if you think about it, they were never seen when they killed uh, Drew Barrymore, they were never seen in the costume by anyone who lived. And then the first time there's any like sort of sign of it is when uh, Billy kind of drops the mask at Nev Campbell's house. And then, you know, drops his cell phone or whatever. And then that's when they start to suspect him. But, like, they've sort of set this up for a while where, like, there's no one looking for them because they don't know what they're looking for. You know what I mean? They know there's a murder, but they don't know how it was done. And they don't know what the – they don't know that there was a costume used. Yeah. And you, when he drops the cell phone and she runs down the stairs and opens the door to the cops – and the and uh, David Arquette is holding the mask like right in front of the door. I thought that's that's one of my favorite scares, or um, it's not really scary for the audience, I guess, but it's it's you know a jump scare nevertheless, because um, it's so off putting and it's like just what a dumb thing to do, what a dumb way to hold the mask up to the door, you know? Well, that's Dewey. Um, what I also like is sort of the one thing that I thought about in watching this was if someone's able to properly frame you for a murder, 
like Billy is kind of almost framed for that murder and he sort of is able to get lucky one that he has this other guy to back him up and make a phone call so that you know he has an alibi now but the setup of the father as the murderer would have probably worked Mm -hmm. if they hadn't (laughs) stabbed each other too well stupid allowing and then and then neither of them watching Nev Campbell as they're like trying to take care of the reporter. Um, so like, it's just in my mind, like if someone is able to set you up for a crime really well, it's so hard to like prove your innocence at that point. Yeah. Like, no, definitely. So we've talked about the ending. I think the ending is great in that you're kind of, it's a great mixture of kind of horror and the suspense thriller of finding out once and for all who the bad guys are. And there are so many twists before that, that kind of lead you astray, but there are a lot of things in this movie. And I told you this was coming that mm-hmm. I have questions. And so I want some answers for, I, I don't know how helpful I am going to be, but I'll try. Go ahead. <laughs> So, right before the party, Tatum and Sydney go shopping. And in the reflection of the glass where, like, the beer is, you can see the ghost face killer costume, like, running and kind of following them. In the grocery store? Or yeah. In the, in the, yeah. Why, why, why in broad daylight are you following them? In a grocery store? What were you trying to accomplish? That's a really good question. I guess if I wanted to argue against my own point, you could say that this costume was around a lot, and so maybe it's just a random person doing it. Right. If you wanted to explain it away. <laughs> but still, nothing ever comes of that. So I mean, how many times have you seen someone in like full mask and costume? Even on Halloween, I'm pretty sure stores have a policy where you, you can't like go into their store with full face-covered costume on. Next, uh, Tatum's death, which is Matthew Lillard's uh, girlfriend in the movie. Yeah. Um, played by Rose McGowan. Um, can a garage pick up a fully grown woman and decapitate her? You know, I, I don't think it's a, it's a question of can, but it, it's definitely a question of how the hell did she think that she would fit through that little doggy door? Well, she got, I think she got past the boobs, which is the part I think she was going to have the most trouble with. I thought the hips was really like the part, like if you can get past. She didn't even get to that part. No. And, and I have to say, I I was really hoping you were going to bring that up because it's one of my favorite deaths in the movie. Well, it's the most parody of the movie. Like it's the most that could have just like, They could have just shot for shot done that scene in a scary movie. They did. It was funny how it was parodied in 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 the in the in scary movie. But in Scream, I was wondering the whole time, like, when are they gonna come upon the body? Like, is no one else gonna go out to the garage and get more beers? Or is like when they're leaving the house, is the garage like so far to the side, no one's gonna see it? No one heard the whole garage door mechanism break? Like, yeah, you're right. It's definitely one of the more like far-fetched deaths. And then 
because I wasn't sure who the killer was, I was like, why is Matthew Lillard like not looking for his girlfriend? I was like, oh yeah, makes sense. It doesn't even make him. sense to. It doesn't even make sense to kill your girlfriend, does it? I, I guess I'm just like, there's no motive. So what? Why am I trying to find meaning? In well, this? I did wonder if they were hinting at Stu and Billy being gay, like they do in Scary Movie. Because once again, you should not have watched this before we did this. <laughs> because like the way they they're like. Stu is kind of like all over Billy as he's like talking with Nev and he's like putting his his head into Billy's neck. And yeah, the fact that he for no reason kills Tatum. Like what's funny is Billy like gives an explanation as to why he's doing all this. And it's like for revenge because his mom left him. Right. But Lillard just seems like Stu is just a crazy dude who just like loves killing people apparently yeah um so that part was just like it it made me wonder and then also yeah like why did you what a lot of the killings if they were just trying to frame the dad and kill sydney were questionable i think you're right for for billy they gave him a uh a motive about you know your your mom slept with my dad and caused my mom to leave me and that's you know but the i think they're just trying to say that Stu's character is just is just a psycho he's just a psycho and that's all you need to know which right. is really unfulfilling but also like okay you know no right i agree did I did I uh, tackle all your questions appropriately? Uh, I mean, the other one is like, why does Tatum have two small beds in her bedroom? A sibling, and then you have the other sibling sleep on the couch because of the, I don't know. I mean, I guess we never meet. I don't. It's it's just not, like one thing that I kept looking at in the background was just like how 1990s like the setups of these houses were. Yeah. Um. It was like just super noticeable. And the one, th the, the last thing I really enjoyed was the video camera being set up by Courtney Cox in the house. And mm -hmm. then when she gets back to the van, he's like, all right, there's about a 30 second delay on this. And you're just like, all right, well, this is, this is going to play into this uh, any minute now. I will just see how they use this design of this camera. I actually really like that. I thought they used that. Um, they established it really fast and they used it just as fast. But uh, I thought they used it in kind of a clever way. I like that part. No, absolutely. Um, however, they, I guess at that point, it was only one of them because the other one had to pretend to be stabbed. No, the other, Billy was having sex with Nev Campbell. And so Matt Lillard had to be the one that killed the cameraman and put him on top of the van. Mm, except, no, like they have sex. Matthew Lillard fake kills Billy. Then she runs to the cameraman and then they're watching it. And they see Matthew Lillard going to kill um, Jamie Kennedy. Right. But then something i forget what draws 
Ghostface outside instead? It had to be only one because two people at that point being there is quite cumbersome. But it's just kind of like your your suspension of belief or disbelief is because how is that? How is Matt Lillard or anyone going to get the camera guy on top of the van, unnoticeable, and then Courtney Cox is going to drive, and then the body falls out from the top of the van. Right. Well, I think you could diagram the how like that movie ended with all the moving pieces. I, I do like. There's just a ton of guys watching this horror movie, and then they're like, "Oh, our principal's dead, and he's strung up on the field." <laughs> Without a word, they just every all of the side characters who like don't have a lot of speaking parts leave, and it's like, "All right, now we have it set up." You have David Arquette and Courtney Cox. You have the two bad guys, Nev Campbell and Jamie Kennedy, and like this is how the movie ends. Yeah, yeah. And I, I got to make one last Scary Movie reference because uh, in, in Scary Movie, when they come back downstairs um, from, in this case, Bobby, the boyfriend being stabbed. Um, His fucking name is Billy. I know, but in Scary Movie, it's Bobby. All right. I just wanted to do it, and now it doesn't work. Continue. <laughs> Anyways... When when they come downstairs from from Bobby being stabbed in Scary Movie, um, everyone from the party is already gone. The house is completely empty. There's no reason to it. It was a full on party when they went up there. And uh, my girlfriend was asking me. She's like, "Where the where the hell did everyone go?" And I was like, "Yeah, I don't I don't know." But it led me to think for a second, like, "Oh, why did everyone leave in Scream?" I was like, yeah, you're right. It was totally the, the principal was, was strung up on the football field. And so they had to go check that out, I guess. I don't know. But um, I guess Scary Movie felt like, okay, Scream didn't give a very good reason to why. We don't have to give any reason to why. Yet we're going to give a very detailed explanation of why Dewey is killing all these people. It was, it was pretty great. I like this film. I'm not a big fan of horror, like I've said many times uh, over this week, but it's a, it's a fun film. And I think it's fun when you watch it with people who've never seen it before because it kind of sends them on this ride, like especially people who, who also don't like horror movies because it is kind of one of those horror movies that is very easy to get into and it's very easy to enjoy. Um, and it's like, it's very fun to watch other people taking in the movie for the first time. After watching this, I kind of oscillated back and forth between wanting to watch like two through four and to get ready for the fifth one coming out to like, I'm good. So, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the movie and like it was great and it's one I'm really glad I watched and I'll probably watch it again at some point. Um, but it, it does feel a little dated at this point. But that I think a lot of that is just because like so many movies take from this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this obviously isn't the first horror movie, but this is like a movie that kind of redefined the genre and like allowed for these like meta commentary horror movies that you have now like cabin in the woods you know what i mean so 
I really enjoyed watching this and this is one that is cool to talk about with other people and like I'm really glad I saw it. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And I finally watched Scream.